Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the dollar bin. Hold your nose, make a wish, count to three. Hundred. Come with me and you'll be in a world of dollar bin sensation. Take a look and you'll see into the Rob's imagination. We'll begin with a spin through some new 52 and some ultimates. What we see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply thumb around and view it. First appearance of Batman, screw it. Tons of Xenoscope. There's nothing to it. There is no box I know to compare with dollar bin sensation. Digging there, you'll be free. Of those slabs from CGC. WMQA. Hello and welcome to the WMQA fifth anniversary special. Uh, I am Dan Grote, and uh, this is a pre recorded bit, but uh, in a few minutes, we are going to once again gather the three amigos. Uh, Matt's here, Matt Lazowitz, uh, Rob Lynch is here, and uh, we also. Brought in a friend, uh, our good bud, Adam Reck, whom you know from all over Comics XF. And uh, we're just going to spend an hour and change talking about digging through dollar bins. We're going to talk about all the weird old comics we find, we look at, and we say, I'll buy that for a dollar. There's another version of this where the clip from Robocop is inserted there. That is not this version. And that's fine. I just gave you all a goddamn musical number. I didn't have to do that. You may not have even wanted to hear it, but it's there. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in this special. <laughs> and uh, I should probably stop talking and let you all get to it. But uh, just one more quick hot note while I've got you captive audience. Uh, I just recorded uh, an episode of the Excalibur podcast, Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, where I got to talk about Pete Wisdom for an hour and change with uh, Dr. Anna Papard and uh, Mav and Dr. Andrew DeMann. And it was, it was a great time. That's probably not going to be out for another couple of weeks, but uh, you can look forward to hearing that very soon wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, enjoy the show, gang. So let me, let me start, or we've already started, but let me, let me start with a question here. How did you become a bin digger? Rob, why don't we start with you? Oh my God, when was I not a bin digger? Well, <clears throat> this really, my, my love of the bins, I mean, really goes back to when I first got into comics. Uh, I was a child of the spinner rack and the newsstand. There was no such, you know, there, there was no specialty stores they were called back then. I know I'm really dating myself here. <laughs> um, you read month to month, you missed an issue. I mean, you were 
screwed. There were no trades. There were no comic shops. And then all of a sudden, you have the VFW halls or churches or even like the malls. The malls were probably yeah. the first ones. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the weekend shows, they would have sports cards and, mm-hmm. and things like that. It's like, wow, what a novelty. These long boxes, and you can buy old comics. They're bagged and are boarded for cheap. That's, that, that's great. And he immediately fell in love with that. And it, it was a window to the past. It was a way to catch up. It was a way to discover things. I was a big handbook nerd then. So it was a really cool way to kind of actually see those stories that Grunewald wrote so eloquently about. <laughs> um, that's what really got me, I think, into the, the, the culture and the history of comics. And it was those early shows. Then it started, you know, the VFWs. It was the boardwalk, the boardwalk shows. Mm-hmm. Went to a great show. It was uh, July of 89. It was a sports card slash comic show on the Ocean City Boardwalk. And got to see Batman literally it's the Saturday that it, it opened. And that was great memories there. Yeah, even kind of more on a personal level, that's where I really got the joy of con going and, and just the good vibes from it and i always speak of, of, of kindness and things like that being this chubby little kid showing all this enthusiasm and everything and instead of the dealer being like ah you know fuck off <laughs> well you know here stick through the bin grab, grab another one grab another two and they, they kind of engaged that enthusiasm I, that really kind of informed me even now it's just to kind of carry that kindness and those good vibes like i said five years ago don't be a dick yeah. This is ridiculous stuff we're dealing with here. This is supposed to be fun. Matt, what's your what's your uh, origin here? I think for me, so when I started, at the same time Rob was going to that con, I was just starting to read comics because I, I mean, I got my first comic. You know, my uncles would you know buy something off the spinner rack and give it to me, mm-hmm. and I mean. I, as it says in my bio over the first thing I remember ever getting was who's who in the DC Universe number two, which is characters whose names begin in B, which <laughs> tells you so much about where I was fated to, to go. Uh, but I started reading comics myself in uh, early 1990 as a result of Batman yeah. 89. And get to the point of summer of 1990. I'm nine years old. My brother would have been five and so we are clearly too young to be left alone since both of my parents work so we were dropped off at my grandmother's and my grandmother my grandfather my great aunt and my uncle who kind of helped take care of them because they were all at that point in their 70s and 80s and they but he now was now tasked with taking care of both them and me and my brother so he would take us you know we'd walk around and town and in Maplewood where they lived there was a little antique store and in the back of the antique store were a couple of long boxes of comics nice and they all had you know a price written in pencil on the first page in the top corner <laughs> and that summer every day I would go and I'd do like weed my grandmother's garden or I do something and she'd, you know, give me a dollar or two and we'd walk down and I would get something. And I know the first book I got, I'll tell you, it was Detective Comics 566, which has this great cover of Batman standing at a portrait gallery of his rogues. And it's basically a handbook issue. Yeah. And got that. And it says, you know, to be continued in Batman 400. 
And there was indeed a copy of Batman 400. And it was five bucks. Uh-oh. Which, so, like, the next, like, few days, I, I did my error that I saved that cash. And I had the five dollars. I went down, got, I went to the counter, I put it down, and the, the nice little old guy who ran the antique store was like, five dollars, that's a lot. It's like, yeah, but like, why don't you give me three and pick something else out? <laughs> And so I picked out another comic for a couple bucks. And I mean, over the course of that summer, I got the first three chapters of Batman Year Two. So you got early Todd McFarlane in some of those. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of the Barr Davis, uh, other detectives from that same period, other random issues of Batman, some other like, like... Superman's like anything that I could get at, but it was it was mostly Batman. Shocking, no one. <laughs> but but that was what like being able to just dig through these boxes and find like just weird random stuff. That's where it and that's where I got it. And from there, it was like my dad, you know, would take me to one of those like the I don't think it was it wasn't a VFW. It was like the Y okay. or something mm-hmm. in Union. Like yeah. every once in a while, they'd have you know a dealer show, and I'd go there and I'd. You know, again, I'd have like 10 bucks and I'd walk out with like, you know, cause that, then they're like 50 cent bins because comics were a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I'd walk out with like 10 bucks, 20 comics. <laughs> All right. And now, still do it. <laughs> Spent the morning of New Year's Day at two different shops that had New Year's Day dollar bin blowouts. <laughs> Walked out with way more comics than I needed. I like like that this story started with uh, Batman helping you develop a work ethic and developed into you just becoming an obsessed maniac. (laughs) Batman teaches you a lot. He he will keep buying comics until crime has ended. (laughs) You know, kind of speaking about you know being a maniac. I'll I'll tell you one thing. I, I gleaned many things being assigned. You know, to go through and. Talk about dollar books. It's like, okay, I'm going to go through. I'm going to pick out like five or six books that kind of, you know, perfectly personify what my love of the dollar bin is. And I ended up with probably a good, what, 50, 60 here. I realized one thing. Uh, long boxes are heavy. Paper is heavy. I need to go on a dollar bin diet. <laughs> okay, this is totally not to do with any of that. But I just need to talk about dollar bins being heavy. Or uh, long boxes being heavy. This is just a fun story. This is a story about you throwing out your back? No, no. This is just... (laughs) My father-in-law is a really handy guy. Like, he owns a couple of rental properties. He's his own handyman. And my stepbrother-in-law is a contractor. Like, these are guys who do, like, manual labor. And then you've got me, who's an IT guy who reads a lot of comics. And it's not like either they're judgy or anything. But they didn't, you know, whatever. And when they came over to my house at one point... They were looking at some stuff and talking about, you know, the garage and fixing it up and putting my comics in there and this and that. And uh, and they were talking about, you know, and I said, you know, we need to get these, you know, big industrial racks to hold the boxes. They're like, you don't need those racks. I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, no, they can't be. I was like, come here. So I brought it in. And I picked up a lot. And I picked it up pretty easily because I, you know, worked at a comic shop for 15 years. I'm used. I know the weight. I know the heft. I know what to do to not throw out my back. And then I pick it up, and then I put it down. I was like, here, why don't you lift it and see? And my father looked at he's like, well, he <laughs> thought it would be... He's Stores just, hammer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just like, took him a second. He's like... And then my stepbrother-in-law does too. He's like, 
That's heavy. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I won't do long boxes anymore because they just once you accumulate too many of them, they're just too heavy. I, I can handle the short boxes. But. Uh, Adam, it's, it's your it's your turn. Oh, dollar, it's my turn. Dollar bin origin story. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like when I was growing up, there were a plethora of of little local comic stores in my area. Okay. So, you know, I had some that we could literally walk to or we could go to a friend's house and there were some within walking distance there. And um, I've told this story many times on on different podcasts, but um, when I was a kid, my grandmother used to look through the JCPenney catalog for what to buy us for Christmas. And one of the things they did were these comic collector kits, which inevitably were like Marvel's all the issues from like August of 1988 or something like that, right? So you'd get this at Christmas and you're looking through it and it's like a random issue of X-Men or a random issue of Punisher, but it never had the next issue. So I think a huge part of, um, you know, trying to figure out the rest of the story fed into why I wanted to dig through this stuff. Because Rob, like you were talking about, they would have like setups at the mall with vendors selling old back issues um, and I noticed in, in your pile, you have an issue of Transformers. That was like my obsession when I was a kid, mm. before I got really into X-Men. Um, so between those two things with Transformers, I started it in like the 40s. And I was like, I got to I got to get the rest of these, you know. <laughs> and I, I think at a mall somewhere, I found like number one and number five. And I'm like, but now I don't have two through four. What am I supposed <laughs> to do? So. Um, between that and trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Cause I think one of my first issues of uncanny was one with, um, uh, the, the, what are the guys called from Rom? The dire rates. Dire rates. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, and, and rogues fighting them. I'm like what, what is this? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't recognize any of this, you know, or, um, you know, an old issue of classic X-Men that would be a good reprint. Um, so between that and going to all these shops, I just felt like there, I, I, don't know if I mentioned this before we started recording or not, but like there is a physical sensation to digging through a long box that I find just very satisfying, especially like there's, there's that, um, that serotonin hit when you actually do find something that you're interested in, you know? And for me, I, at this point am not looking for anything that, um, is of any probably monetary value at this point. I am looking for like the weird stuff that is not on Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. It is not printed anywhere. Um, and that way, like I actually have it and I can actually access that story. So when I find like X-Men fight of Noxio the clown, you know, <laughs> or a beat up copy of Heroes for Hope, you know, that is what I'm I'm generally looking for, you know. So yesterday I was at um in Cranberry, there is a really cool store called Dr. Wonder. I was there two weeks ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it is just like this, I don't know. It is a great place to just dig. And they have a lot of old uh, boxes of like Wizard Magazine, um, a lot of comic fanzines and magazines, and um, just, you know, all kinds of random stuff. And then every couple weeks, they just dump another box of dollar bin comics into their dollar section before they get a chance to sort it out. You don't know what the heck is in there. It's not alphabetized. It is not sorted in terms of any sort of like, you know, so you're just looking through it. Is it going to be filled with valiant, like (laughs) random crap from the nineties? Is it going to have some like interesting things? Like maybe some 
Silver Age comics that they haven't sorted yet. You don't know what's in there and that mystery and that physical process just, I find it addictive. So um, I'm glad to hear that you've been there. It's, oh, a, it's a cool little place. Yeah, no, I was there um, a couple weeks ago. Um, I found some milestone mm. in those boxes. And I was like, okay, I'm taking these home with me. Yeah. 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 And, and they have a whole bunch of like older trades for 50% off. Like all trades in this section are 50% off. And I and I know it's not good, but you've been talking about it. I finished my the uh, Kirkman run of Ultimate X-Men oh, okay. in trade for 50%. I was not going to pay more than 50% no, for any of them. That's, you know, I really appreciate a store that is willing to do that. You know what I mean? Like the um, ongoing phenomenon of, like we all went to this con in the fall... Right. And the fact that you still have these bargain bins, I feel like it's it's such an innate part of the culture, you know, like you, you have to have that. It can't all just be slabbed, you know, pristine 9.8, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> I want a reader's copy of the weird thing that I can't read anywhere else. How about you, Dan? I... OK, uh, you know, I, I... <sighs> I'm trying to think of what set me off down the path. I acquired Heroes for Hope yeah. at one point. I know that. And every once in a while, Rob would just kind of give me something like, here, I have doubles of this. Or, you know, it's the kind of thing that's like... Gateways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gateways is, is what it is. And uh, there's a... Ocean City will do a show like once a year. They'll have like a bunch of dollar bins. And um, actually, it's funny. They got one of the vendors at that show showed up at my house when we were having a yard sale and took like oh. a, a long box of my cast offs wow. away. But uh, very nice guy, very nice guy. Uh, I went through his stuff and that's how I acquired Wolverine the Jungle Adventure. Mm. So like, okay, all right. So let's let's see what else I can do. And uh, I was at our, our friends, uh, Justin and Penelope, have a shop in uh, Maze Landing. They mostly deal in vintage toys, but they have some comic stuff. And uh, they had acquired a lot where a guy was getting rid of like, I want to say it was like 80,000 or 8,000. It was like a very large number of mm -hmm. comics in one fell swoop. And they, they bought the whole lot off of them. And they had like sort of like an emergency one day sale on a Saturday on the side of the highway. So I, I stopped there on my way home and uh, I went through the bin and I found that Alf annual. Nice. Because that was like the, the one thing I, I always said I was going to buy just as a goddamn goof. And they had it and they had a bunch of what does. And I, and I was just like... Okay, well, I guess this is who I am now. <laughs> you found your sledgehammer. I am a monster. I, <laughs> I am alive. Uh, you know, I'm going to go and tell a story that's sort of the opposite of what we're talking about, about selling. Because I had the wee two weekends before I, I got married. We just said we wanted to just get stuff out of the apartment because we yeah. knew we were going to be getting yep. stuff. So we had, you know, magazines and like all sorts of books. And I had a couple of boxes of comics. And a lot of them were, were cast-offs or this was stuff that I had gotten during the early days of eBay when I would buy a lot. When mm -hmm. I needed to fill in X number of issues or something, and like, well, all of them are in here and there's like half a dozen more. So now you have doubles. Right. Some stuff. So yeah. I put them out for 50 cents each and sold a lot. And it's that thing of like, at the time, never thought... Any of it was going to be worth anything yep. because I got them in lots online. Well, I sold probably 10 very early issues of Deadpool. The mm. Joe Kelly Deadpool, including 
Deadpool 11, the flashback ah. issue, which is now maybe not a full-on wall book, but you'll see it on a wall on occasion. And some guy walked out of there with that book for 50 cents for me, and I hope he enjoys it. <laughs> I do not begrudge him this, because that is the joy of the dollar bin. And I have taken advantage of it myself on many an occasion, so I am glad that someone else was able to feel the same joy from things that I did not meet. Yeah. This a perfect segue to this little story, and I have to give a shout out to the cousin Oliver of the Dollar Bin. It's the drugstore three packs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. that yeah. would always end up like nobody would touch these things, and then they would eventually go on clearance, and you get them for next to nothing. Yeah, and I want to say it was back in two thousand two thousand and one. I bought an entire case. For, oh wow! For maybe like fifteen twenty bucks, entire case of these things. Spent a good evening, like you know, with my wife opening them up. Oh, the, the the things we found in there. I found at least three or four copies. First prints of New Mutants 98. Wow. Now, you gotta think, I mean, it was only about ten years old at that point. It, it was maybe like a five, ten dollar yeah, book. Yeah. It wasn't that crazy valuable like it is now. But we had a yard sale a few years after. And I want to say like 90% of those books went in that bin. And they I was so blowing them out for like four for a dollar. <laughs> and this kid just kept coming back and buying more and more, and he was reading them and Finally, like the you know the mom's like here, grab a one more. It's like I tell you what, give me five bucks, I'll just give you the entire box. Yeah. So th- th- there's a kid who's got like three or four pretty near mint copies of '98 out there, and it's great. they were when you took them. If this was a kid, I doubt they were near mint for long. <laughs> kid owes me, you know, a nice solid dinner. That's really funny. <laughs> mom, I'm gonna go get these slams. <laughs> but uh, I, I gotta say, like Adam, pretty much you summarized pretty much everything. That is great about the dollar bin, and you know, I mean, I, I sat there like when I was going through it. I'm trying to like categorize like what it is like we are looking for there. The big thing is the things that you can't get that are reprinted. I mean, we live in very much like a trade culture yeah. or comicsology or whatever. Like there are things most likely because of lights, uh, uh, rights, yeah, licensing mm-hmm. and things like that that will never see the light of day. Probably my number one thing to look for are. The film adaptations. Mm. I mean, the 80s, the, the, the 70s to a degree, but the 80s was sort of the golden age of that. And it's kind of amazing, like, what actually did get made in, I mean, yeah, I've got Blade Runner here. I've got the Kirby 2001, all from a dollar bin. I've got Kroll, Island of Dr. Moreau, Time Bandits, Dark Crystal, Buckaroo Banzai. And we've talked about Dune before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you start getting the weird stuff from, like, the indies? We've got... <laughs> The Adventures of Baron Munchausen from now. Talk about, yeah, kind of a, a notable flop to like a yeah. cult curiosity to like sort of a reevaluated classic, and now it's in the Criterion Closet. Uh, probably the last Marvel, uh, oh. Strange Days. Ooh, can I look at that? Absolutely. <laughs> well, Strange Days, I'm sorry if I can film geek out for a second, but a lot of Bigelow's um, filmography is not streaming anywhere and strange days just hit hbo max and i don't know if it was just because you know they're trying to because cameron wrote the screenplay i believe so i don't know if they're trying to capitalize on avatar but i didn't realize they made a comic if you're a physical person also um you have to resort to a region free german disc yeah to get it on blu-ray yeah Yeah. it's weird now speaking of cameron um you want to talk about like the boutique adaptations from dark horse the abyss with art by uh, Mark, uh, Mike Caluto. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, great that, this, this is definitely like a, a treasure right here. What I'm going to nominate is probably the weirdest film adaptation. This was something that I had hunted down for years. <laughs> House 2, the second story. <laughs> I've only ever seen House 1. 
with what this it, really no connection whatsoever. Oh. I don't even think this got a theatrical release. Wow. <laughs> With Might this have been drop, a VHS. Yeah, I want to right? say this was the fall of '87. This came out. I re- I owned it originally from back in the day. Found it in the dollar bin. It's like, oh, I've got to have that part of my childhood. Um, here's a real anomaly, published actually by the Canon Video Comic Group. Yes, Golden and Globus. They had one comic. This is Cyborg. <laughs> I love it. Wow. It's sort of like an after the fact. It kind of a, it, it's sort of found its cult niche now. Um, Albert Pion, who directed it, recently passed away. And he's sort of been reevaluated as sort of like a cult, you know, the, the Larry Cohen of the 90s. Um, one of the weirder, if not the weirdest, sort of film adaptation, you have Sybil Danning's Black Diamond. Now, this was going to be like a big thing in the early 80s. It's a comic adaptation of a movie that was never made. Oh, <laughs> so it was, it was a Dazzler situation. It was going to be. It was. They were planning on making it. It was going to be this big franchise. Never happened. Wow. My weird one for me from this same vein: the incredibly short-lived Fox television series "Space Above and Beyond." Ooh, never heard of that. It. I barely remember it, but it was. It was a. It was a. Early nineties. It was after the X-Files. Yeah. It okay. was when they were trying to find some other... They did Earth 2. They did Space Above and Beyond. They kept trying to find another sci-fi yeah. show. And none of them hit. But Topps Comics... And if you ever want a weird company... There are some great Topps Comics. Yes. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they did five issues of Space Above and Beyond... Written by Roy Thomas. Roy the oh, Boy. Oh, and I found all of them in a dollar bin. But Thomas, I mean, he also wrote the Dracula adaptation yep, with, with Mignola. Mignola. Yeah, yeah. And a Dracula... Uh, like prequel, so the Dracula Vlad the Impaler with Thomas and Esteban Morodo oh. on art. Okay, yeah, they did. I mean, they did Zorro. They did. They did the first X Files comics, which yeah, right, the boy <laughs> signed. Yeah, those X Files comics, the first sixteen issues are early work from Charles, uh, The Walking Dead, Adler. Oh, okay. He did the first sixteen issues, and then Alex Savia did the art on the back end. Nice, and there, there's some good, good X Files stories in those early issues, but and the Mars Attacks and Dinosaurs Attacks mm-hmm. comics from Topps yeah. Comics and Jurassic Park. Well, and and a lot of those came out at sort of the uh, the trading card boom too, right? Yes. So yeah. you know, like when I was digging through at uh, Doctor Wonder the other day, I was looking through old Wizards, and they, you know, some of them are ripped open, but some of them have the original little image trading cards in them. You know, I remember when I I got. I think a dollar bin to the four Draculas by Mignola because I just love Mignola oh, by yeah. anything, right? Um, but they have the little trading cards in them, and it's so weird to have like trading cards from a failed Francis Ford Coppola movie about Dracula. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what is this? It's such an oddity. So um, I, I love little um, knickknacks like that that you can find, like little Ashcan comics or you know, promo things that might have come with a copy of Hero Illustrated. And a lot of times, like, shops don't even want to sell that. They'll just be like, yeah, I mean, just throw that in with whatever you've got here. So <laughs> I, I think that stuff's really cool when you come across it. Um, I, I love all of these adaptations that you're showing, Rob. Like, um, I'm, I'm thinking to Sienkiewicz's Dune stuff. That's It's, it's just, like, yeah. absolutely amazing. But... You know, then you get into this weird thing of like, well, in the dollar bin you might find the individual issues, but then what if you also find like the Marvel Comics presents large prestige format of it in a dollar box? Like, 
you know that 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 offshoot of like you mentioned the the half price trades or like this box is full of five dollar trades and like you know i picked up um three x-men essentials yesterday um they were just half price you know and i'm like yes please (laughs) if i can get these three for the price of one yes like that that's what i want out of my uh my shopping experience (laughs) i got a few other half price trades of that i got the utterly bizarre superman true brit it was an elseworlds graphic novel art by john byrne okay story by john cleese it is a parody it is what if Superman landed in Great Britain and became sort of this proper poofy oh British God, man? God, what? It is utterly. I haven't gotten to read so it yet. So it's a Captain Britain story. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but it is bizarre. And I was like, okay, fifty percent for the hardcover. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be taking this home with yeah. me. You know, even like the, the Elseworlds, like they were primarily published as like, the bookshop editions. They yeah. Back in yeah. The day. I see a lot of them in dollar bins, and like I. A good majority of them are really worth getting. Oh, totally. Speaking of uh, the Superman, one thing I, uh, I didn't bring with me, um, Superman Metropolis. Was mm-hmm. actually Metropolis in the style yeah. of Fritz Lang's. Yep. That, that's a nice little like dollar anomaly. They yeah. did three of those. Yeah. Because they also did Batman Nosferatu and Wonder Woman Blue Amazon. It's Ted mm-hmm. McKeever art. They're really neat. Sort of a nod to like German expressionism. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> very, very kind of like a niche uh, mashing up right there, but uh, <laughs> it, it sort of hits the spot. You know, another thing, you know, when, when you're going back to these old adaptations, you know, if, if you're like creator diving, if you're looking for like, like you said, like the McFarlands on the Batmans, you do really find like the big superstars, like when they really kind of cut their teeth. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's McFarland when he did G.I. Joe. You can usually find them in like in the three dollar bins, which you find some really interesting stuff in. Um, my big find with that, I was actually showing this to Dan earlier, was something I picked up in the summer of '91 during Terminator Fever. It was Terminator Burning Earth, Ooh. which I think still remains. Take take open open that up, Adam. Take a look at the artist. Yeah. Okay. And why? Why I'm uh, for, first of all, I'm baffled that this is a dollar book. All right. I mean, an absolute masterpiece. I, all right, first of all, I would like to note that the back has an advertisement for Tiger Electronics Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just like That's another great thing about the dollar bin is the ad. The ad. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Alex Ross. Yeah. Yep. Alexander yeah. Ross. Yes. Alexander Ross. First. Look at the artwork on that, but it's something that you would just like sit there and be like, what's this? And then when you realize like who actually worked on that and... Yeah. yeah, that that no, it's really pretty. So it's good, but that that is, I feel like there's so much um, teeth cutting on some of these licensed books. You know, I'm thinking of, um, I can't think of what the subtitle was, but like Sam Keith doing Alien, yes, you know, or um, you know yeah. Simonson doing, um, mm-hmm. didn't he do RoboCop and uh, RoboCop? Sure. Is it RoboCop or what did he? Do? Well, he was already established at that point. No, I know, yeah, but, but like it just just seeing them do something that's a little bit outside of their norm mm-hmm. um, is always fun. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> normally that's not the thing that people are hunting for. Um, like, uh, who did the Alien One adaption? That's Simonson, right? That was yes. Simon. That was for Heavy Metal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, have him. He actually sketched a xenomorph inside. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It was Goodwin, right? On the was that Goodwin on the script for I believe that so. alien? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it was Archie Goodwin. Archie did a lot of he wrote a lot of the adaptations. Yeah. He did Dune also, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like that's always fun. Um, I also noticed you have um, 
I don't want to mess no, up your order no, here, no, but go, go, go. something that I always look for are the weird Marvel stuff. Like you've got a Fred Hembeck in there. I was okay earlier. I said like, all right, who is like the the, the patron saint of the dollar bit? Yes, <laughs> like Fred Hembeck is definitely like one of those names. He's up there, right? And that's one of the books that I picked. Up. I know that like he he destroys the Marvel universe in one, and yep. he sells the Marvel universe. The Fantastic Four rose. That is that is a favorite for mine. That's a dollar bin classic yeah. right there. Yeah. You know, it should be worth more. I mean, that's one thing. I don't sit there and look, like you said, for value. I'm not sitting there trolling for, hey, I could turn around and flip that. I mean, that's the most despicable. This is for the love of pulp. Yeah. (laughs) But that's a great example of a book that you're not going to see reprinted on Marvel Unlimited. It has very silly jokes that I would have appreciated when I was like nine years old. (laughs) And it's the same reason, like you mentioned, Dan, you mentioned what the before. Yeah. Yes. A lot of those jokes have not aged particularly well, depending no. on which issue you read. However, <laughs> I, I can't oh, look at with this. that. Okay, so Rob just handed me a copy of Marvel Comics, The Lunatic Side of Life spoof. Peace, not pieces. But look who's on the cover there. Rod Serling and Woody Allen. And Joe Namath. Yeah. yeah. This is great, though. Like, parody stuff like this is really fun. The humor oh, books. Yeah, I mean, know? humor books really don't exist. I mean, you when you say humor book, the first thing you think of is mad. You don't think of anything like the big two. Mm-hmm. I mean, even DC had their... Uh, they had Plop, Plop. which... Sure. I've got a few, I've got a few like, Basil Wolverton mm-hmm. covers. He's another one. Like, a lot of, like, the 80s, like, like Pacific Eclipse, which I'm going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. Just, the, you know, these names that come up with the dollar. But yeah, but, but the, these humor books... So Marvel used to do yeah. a lot more of that. You know, like, you used to have the, uh, the No Prize comic. <laughs> yes. You know. Um, not Brand Eck. Not yep. Brand Eck, right? For Bushman. So I feel like when you stumble onto those things, that's really fun. And then there's a certain things that you sort of find a niche for. There was, like, um, Assistant Editor Month. Yeah. Where, yep. like, you know, or they had, like, Editor Month. Uh, you had um, John Byrne appearing famously in the trial of Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. I've got the Letterman issue of The Avengers mm-hmm. right here. Um, one of my own little, like, personal niches I was showing Adam earlier was uh, I have a thing for the 25th anniversary of Marvel, mm-hmm. that exact month where every single book was printed with a portrait Usually done, like, done by like Barry Windsor Smith or yeah, I think Classic X Men has the Art Adams Storm cover, mm-hmm. which is really pretty. Um, some of those are really expensive though, so yeah, they I'm, are. I'm impressed that you you have quite a oh I've been getting, there. since the '90s I've I've been trying to like assemble all of them, and my thing is also since really hitting the cons is whenever possible to get them signed. I've got like eight or nine of them signed. I actually have the Transformers uh, 21 here signed by Herb Trimp and Bob Budiansky. But uh, that's always something I'm on the lookout for. I'm sure everybody has that one little quirky thing. It doesn't necessarily fill a collection, but, you know. Fits a theme. Yeah. Yeah. God, speaking of themes, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here as, as I'm lumping it together. Like, here's my, my favorite word, zeitgeist. <laughs> the wacky zeitgeist books. You've got US-1. You've got, <laughs> how do we take Convoy and turn it into a comic? Just yeah. like they had the martial arts craze and the black exploitation yep. craze. And Team America. Team America. That's how do we turn Evil Knievel into a comic? <laughs> or Five Evil Five Knievels. Evil, yes, yeah, yeah. Evil. yeah. And then I have what I call my wife books. <laughs> Yeah. Ah. Being a borderline, you know, ex or millennial, you know, she's she's all about the early '90s. So of course, I had to get her the Luke Perry nice. biography, my personality <laughs> comics. Um, she's got a pretty uh, respectable, if you can use that word, collection of the um, New Kids on the Block, nice uh, Archie comics. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had to gift her with this. Remember Rock and Roll comics, the unauthorized biographies, yep. the Fall of the New Kids. <laughs> ah, Freud, right there for, for the for the rock fans. We've got. 
Tipper Gore comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I want to look at this one. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And then, you know, one of my other favorite little niches, um, this is just, like, one example. In the 80s, you had, like, the extreme animal. Before the, the extreme 90s, you had your, you know, crazy action animals from the Teenage Mutant Right, right, right. Yeah. Where you had Miami mice, you uh-huh. had uh, radioactive hamsters, fish police, yeah. uh, Omaha the cat dancer. Well, that was really act. Well, that was a different kind of action. <laughs> um, I, I think I scraped the, the bottom of the birdcage here with mildly microwaved prepubescent kung fu gophers. <laughs> I've never seen that before, and it's, that the art is pretty solid for on a, for a hundred Abraham Lincoln's. Yes, yeah. it also <laughs> I'm not gonna lie seems kind of racist, but um, <laughs> a little bit. Well, yeah, a little yeah, bit. yeah. <laughs> so. You know, there was a period, like, I think one of my prime dollar bin periods was the early aughts. I, just for me, I was like, I was going to a lot of cons, and that was a period where we were still just before older stuff was starting to be traded. Like, at that point, Marvel was trading the Ultimate comic, the Ultimate okay. series as they were coming out. We were starting to see books being traded as they were coming out. But there wasn't a lot of the old stuff. So I started developing this hankering to get lots of the kind of classic 80s, 90s DC runs that were not available in trade. Stuff that I heard about. Mm -hmm. And so for a couple of years, every time I went to a con, I would find, you know, an issue with this, an issue with that. And... Wizard World 05. So, 2005, I went to that con, and I walked out with three nearly complete runs. I I don't think I've ever dropped more money at a con in dollar bins than I did that. I must have dropped a couple hundred dollars in dollar books. But I got nearly complete runs of... Hitman. Nice. With the exception, like, it didn't have the the first few issues. They had started trading Hitman. Okay. And then they just stopped. Mm-hmm. And so there were the first four trades. It was probably the first 20-something issues. So I finished that run, except for the last two issues, which had not come out too long before that. That's why I just got those. A nearly complete run of Suicide Squad. Nice. Which I filled out over time. It was four runs, excuse me. A complete run of the Denny O'Neill, Dennis Cowan question. And all but two issues of John Ostrander's The Spectre. And the best part was I got all but those two out of the dollar bins. Ostrander was tabling. And he had those two issues. (laughs) So I was like, well, I I paid cover price for them and got them signed. You won, the, you won the dollar bin lottery that day. Yeah, that was a, that was over the course of the week. Like I, I went both days and I skipped digging both of those days. For that is a very satisfying feeling though when you're doing a dollar uh, bin dive and you like come across a run, you know, because like that doesn't happen often. A lot of time you're just finding like a random issue, but then you know maybe I find a complete mini series or I you know I find 25 issues of X Force. Like that feels good, you oh, know. Yeah. So yeah, I got most of New Mutants. Yeah. Through dollar bins. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not counting, like, the pre-Liefeld stuff. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. But I got, I think I wound up having to pay better prices for, like, number one and mm-hmm. a couple of others. But I got, I know I got all of the Sienkiewicz stuff 
out of dollar bins. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just keep taking this. You, you know, even now, it, that is still like one of the perennial like dollar bin books. And it's almost like, I mean, I don't mind it. It's, it's no yeah. statement on the quality, especially right. of the Sinkevich run. But it's like, why is that still in the dollar bin? I mean, I know it's sold well, so it's relatively saturated out there, yeah. you know, but... Uh, I mean, the Sinkevich run is pretty short, so you see, you know, a lot of the Blevins stuff is always in the dollar bins, unfortunately. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's it's just X-Factor. You always find runs of X-Factor. Um, <laughs> but, again, uh, there are big chunks of this stuff that are still missing on apps like Marvel Unlimited. So, like, on the last episode of uh, Battle of the Atom that we just recorded, we did a whole episode about X-Men 2099. And now... I don't own any X-Men 2099. Um, you know, I'm reading the first eight issues on Marvel Unlimited, but the rest of it's not on there. It's not archived because they've never done a print of it, right? Uh, like a trade. So, you know, I'm, I'm resorting to illicit means to, to read these <laughs> comics. Um, and now I'm like looking through bins and going, oh, you know, that'd be kind of fun if I had this arc. So that's the other thing that kind of drives my digging is, is from doing the show. I'm sure you guys find this too, is you start talking about a book and you start looking for that book now, you know, because it's, it's it's bothering you that it's not in your collection. And Rob is proudly <laughs> holding up a signed copy. I, I looked at this upstairs and had never heard of this. What is this? Okay, so the, the, I was going to like segue into uh, our grails, <laughs> our normal personal grails. At first, I have to touch on to your point about, you know, the whole tactile you know, since of, of flipping through a long yeah. box. I mean, it's very much like if you're a record collector, mm -hmm. it's that same thing. And it's just, you know, ordering a, a record off of Discogs or, or Amazon, whatever. Um, it's just not the same. No. Find no. it out in the wild. I mean, that, it, it's almost like the hunt itself is kind of the fun. Because you are going to find, it's an adventure. You're going to find other things along the way. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have to say, I mean, this is a book that um, I want to say close to a decade I looked for in bins. I refused to get it online. Um, go back to 1987. There was a very short-lived, it was on CBS, show called Sledgehammer, mm -hmm. which was um, a very airplane-esque parody send-up of those like very hard-boiled police shows. Okay. Especially Lethal Weapon. It was yeah. very much in that Lethal Weapon zeitgeist at, at, at the time. Naked Gun-ish? That far? Very, very much. Okay. Yeah. It's it, it, very zany. Yes. I guess that's the word. It, it, it's a very kind of zany thing. It was in a plot of a programming block with Max Hedrum. That's, 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 that's what I remember. <laughs> okay. And talk about one of your weirder adaptations. Marvel did a two-issue adaptation. It wasn't a limited series. It literally just lasted... <laughs> Two issues, um, but uh, I was on the hunt for them for years. Um, I found the second issue first, but it was that first issue that was very elusive, and I finally found it. But um, we're uh, we were regulars at the East Coast Comic Con while I was uh, running, and every year Jim Salakrup, editor extraordinaire and occasional writer, was there. Jim Salakrup wrote this. And I would always go by his table and troll him. It's like, come on, you got to have a copy of this hiding somewhere. No, no, no. <laughs> like, he, like, like something that was like absolutely like buried under his doctor. Like, this is never going to be, you know, never going to see the light of day again. And I kept threatening. He's like, I'm going to find a copy and you're going to sign it. And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be damaged. I didn't find a copy of it. And we were ready. It's like, hey, Jim, it's time. <laughs> I swear he was going to crawl under his table. But no, he, he was like sitting there flipping through. He was telling me stories about writing it and everything. Actually, we got a sketch. He would do these like 
$5 sketches. He's not even an artist, but just a little. Yeah, like a little doodle. A little yeah. something, something. And I'm like, I want you to do sledgehammer. He's like, you got it. <laughs> so I got a sledgehammer sketch and then a signature and some great stories. And I always talk about this with Dan all the time. That's the good convention. It, it's it is. Just, you know, I mean, these guys sit at their tables all day. You know, you got to make them laugh. <laughs> have that kind of experience. Get those stories. Well, and this is a book that he probably hasn't seen since it came out. That's what he said. Yeah, it's right? like, he's like, I don't see this one very often. Yeah, that's you the know? thing about those license gigs. It was, it was like they were saddled with them. They weren't lining up. I mean, even GI Joe to hear Larry Hama tell it, he drew the short straw. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it ended up making his career one hundred percent. But you know, yeah, at it wasn't, the time, <laughs> it wasn't what he wanted to be doing necessarily. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you sort of get a, a, sort of a, a, sort of an emotional attachment or you get these memories of you know when you got these books and yeah. especially like this i mean this is a uh, i'm looking at transformers 22 right now which i got out of a dollar bin um and then uh shortly after i got uh herb to sign it her passed away two literally two days after he had signed this and it's yeah. just like i still kind of remember i used to love seeing him at shows like i always had a great time talking with him and his wife and um, and actually brought back another memory earlier. It was uh, the Asbury Park Comic Cons, mm -hmm. and it was uh, he was at that show. At this point, I already had him sign like a hardcover and a couple other things. But I went to go buy his table, and it's like I don't want to come empty-handed. I gotta have something signed. And I was looking through the dollar bins with Mike Zapsick from Comic Book Men. This is like I think like the first year of the show. Yeah, it's pretty much local. I mean, he and Ming and all the guys were there, and he's just trolling through the bins. And I, you know, I was. They're, you know, next to him throwing, we're just kind of like bullshitting, and he's like, ah, so what are you looking for? Because that, that's like one of those, those those etiquette things, you know? Oh, sure, you're, yeah. You're friendly with somebody, you know, you're digging, and you just kind of have, like, yeah, is there anything I can keep an eye out for? And I said, yeah, I wanted to go see Herb. I was hoping maybe you could find, like, a Shogun Warriors or something. Mike actually found Shogun Warriors 1 in there, and that's tossed so cool. that over, so it's like, and I've got that memory now of, you know, yeah. Mike's a cool guy, and I got to see Herb that day, I got this, this, this tangible thing to remember, you know? It was another Wizard World, and it was a bunch of us from Dewey's. Like it was former employees and regulars and current employees, and we were all down. And we'd kind of split up, and then we'd all gotten back together. And uh, you know, we're all you know showing what we'd gotten, and it was like, and I, at the time, I was the 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 book that I was looking for because I knew I you could find it in dollars, and it was nowhere it was going to be collected at the time. And I was on a real Morrison kick at okay. that point. Yeah. Was Morrison and Phil Bond's Kill Your Girlfriend. Ooh, I've never heard of that. It's 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 very counterculture, very early Morrison. And one of the guys, Mike's like, yeah, I think I saw that. I was like, really? Where? He's like, I think it was our, and we spent like the next half an hour going because he knew it was in this area, <laughs> yep. going from booth to booth. And it was like it could have been sold by this point, but no, it took us like half an hour. But we found the right booth and we found the copy of it. It was like because I was I that kind of got that and I got the Morrison Miller Swamp things. Oh, okay. That they did again yeah. well before that yeah, stuff would have been collected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, dollar fodder. Yeah, I'm thinking about your, your sledgehammer experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I think one of the coolest things is when you do find something that maybe you didn't even know existed. You That's, know? Yeah. So uh, I remember finding in a dollar bin um, this really weird thing. And I, if, if listeners have heard of this, I for me, this was like the weirdest thing. But there is a, a Peter David written World Wildlife Federation one-shot Wolverine Global Jeopardy, which has... Um, Another fantastic uh, thing that I always like to search for, which is um, 
the the weird covers, like the the shiny covers, anything with shiny, glittery, <laughs> you name it. I I, I want to put it in in my basket. So this has like a um, an embossed cover, and then inside every other page is a picture of like a leopard or a tiger. But then the main adventure is like Wolverine and I guess Na- Namor and maybe another character Kizar? like. Kazar, I think, is in it, too. I think I have a copy of this yeah, at some point. I got but like, that's one of those things where, like, you would never see that reprinted anywhere. And when you, you find something like that, you're like, what is this? <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? And yes, I need that. I want to take it home. So, um, Matt, you were kind enough to uh, gift me with a comic when I, when I showed up today. Um, so, we covered this recently on Battle of the Atom. But this is one of those weird things um, that came with, if you only could buy this with the X-Men, The Last Stand, you know, everybody's favorite X-Men movie, um, (laughs) they had a special edition of it for uh, Stan Lee. So it was the Stan Lee Collector's Edition, and it comes with this little TV Guide-sized X-Men comic where Magneto and Professor Xavier come and hassle Stan Lee. Um, and then it has a couple of reprints of some Silver Age stuff. And yet it still has like a, a, an image from Cassidy and Whedon's Astonishing X-Men on the back. It is this hugely weird artifact. And like this is the kind of stuff that I live for. You know, if I can find stuff like this, it makes me super happy. You know what that is? That's a pack-in, bitch. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you kind of speak into that, you know, finding things that you never knew existed. Something on the, the the preachy treats. I'm sure you've heard about that. That's all your like your little one shots, um, your public service announcements, your oh, yeah. drugs, I love uh, those. child abuse. You know, yep. like, like those, I don't those, love child abuse. The real, <laughs> the real chipper ones. Um, <laughs> you love the Bible? We've got the story of Adam and Eve. Yes, <laughs> from the early 70s, told as one of those old romance books. Great from Christian Spire Christian Comics. They're the same ones that published. It was a very Christian take on Johnny uh, Johnny Cash. The Johnny Cat, which I've been apparently you're not going to find that in a dollar bin. But it's like I had no idea something like this kooky existed. And then there's another thing. I mean, I'm not the most like up on like being a Kirby collectionist or a completist, but I've got the first issue special welcomes the Dingbats of Danger Street. It's <laughs> like Kirby's take on like the Warriors. Current <laughs> stars of Danger Street by Tom King and Jorge Fornes. <laughs> And, and the book that made me stop reading Tom King. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, this might qualify as one of maybe the weirdest thing I've ever found in a dollar bin. I'm a big Betty Page collector. More of like the vintage stuff. Um, there was a whole period where she really was a cult icon. And then I would arguably say, and it's like, you know, the Dita Von Teese really took off and like that whole scene. And then Dark Horse sort of made her like a big license with the reprinted Dave Stevens and everything. This is all before that. From Eros Comics, we have Tor Loves Betty. Tor as in Tor Johnson of Plan 9 from Outer Love Space. It. I, this, Look at that. I, I, this is an teaspoon of terror. anomaly. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Comic companies you've never heard of. Yeah. Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things that screams like, yeah, for a dollar? How yes. could I not? Yeah. I have my current uh, obsession that I've been trying to complete is DC's Welcome Back, Cotter. Wow. In, in the history of like licensed books right there. How I many mean, issues of that are there? 
I have no idea. This is three, so uh, at so least three. We know there's three. <laughs> okay. Right. My favorite fun fact about the Welcome Back, Cotter licensed comic is that it is the only licensed comic that survived the DC implosion of 1976. <laughs> oh, really? Wow! Wow! Yeah. All these all these great comics canceled. And welcome back, Cotter. Keeps chugging. Along. Which one of your books still want to run? Oh me, me, me! <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh my god! Oh yeah, Zoomers love Horshack jokes, right? <laughs> so, one thing, just as another category of things that one can dig from dollar bins, I, I understand there are people that you know love variant covers. Sure, like I. Was recently okay. I mean, this is just a, a story. Uh, I've recently had to start shopping in a new comic shop. Okay, and so I'm of course one of the first person people there on a Wednesday because I'm me and I need to get my books. And the, the clearly the guys who are the other guys who are there are all know each other. And this one guy is clearly like a like meticulously goes through every cover that is coming out for any of the books he's reading. And picks the the one that he wants. And one morning he was going through this whole like screed to this other guy. And I'm like sitting here with my earbuds in, like la la la. Don't please don't start talking to me because I don't care about how that week's issue of Amazing Spider-Man. One of the variants was the Disney characters oh, yeah. as doing uh, Avengers number four. Yep. And he was just beside himself as to why there's no Spider-Man on this cover. Why is this <laughs> on an issue of Amazing Spider-Man? And I'm just like, la, 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 okay. Store gets open. I go in. I get my books. And now this guy is talking to the owner. Oh, my God. Giving the same thing. And what I really want to say to him is, dude... Money. Yeah. Because there are people like you who will buy every cover of Amazing Spider-Man, and there are Avengers fans who are going to want that, so they're getting two markets. Wasn't going to say that, but because I did not want to get into this conversation with this guy. <laughs> but one thing that I have now started to pull from dollar bins are really neat-looking variants. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm never going to buy more than one copy right. for full price. And I will almost you always get the the, the A cover, the base cover, because I don't want to think about it. I just have it on my pulls. Like, just give me the A covers for everything. It just makes my life easier. But I have gotten nearly every because DC does two covers on everything. Mm -hmm. I've gotten nearly every B cover for the current run of Batman out of dollar bins. Yeah. And I've gotten some really neat X-Men variants. I've gotten a bunch of the... There's uh, so many. <laughs> yeah. The Hellfire Gala designer mm -hmm. variants. The current run of X-Men's trading card variants. Oh, cool. Yeah, the... Give oh, me the cards, Marvel. Yes! <laughs> I'm a sucker for the Scotty Young. Colors. Yes. I love Those them. are a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and it's... It's a dollar. I'm like, sure, why not? I'll, I'll... Well, then it becomes almost just, you know, solely an art object, right? Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, you have it, and you're like, okay, well, I've read this story. I have a copy of it, but now I've got this really beautiful Russell, Russell Dodderman cover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? I, I've got this painted variant by this art. Well, maybe I don't know who this is, but maybe it'll develop into somebody big. Right. And that, that's a really cool thing, too. Sure. There was a whole period of Batman at the beginning of the Rebirth era where all the variants were Tim Sale. Oh, yeah. And it was like, okay, if I'm getting a whole bunch of nice-looking Tim Sale covers yeah. for a buck a book, why the hell not? Yeah, yeah. 
So I feel like the um, the other thing that I run into as I look through these is just, you know, inevitably you find uh, garbage when you look through dollar bin books. Um, so I, I'm always amazed by like the number of times that I run into certain titles like in dollar bin boxes. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that, that always struck me was I was at a flea market once and I found a full box not a long box, not a short box, but literally like a printer box. And inside of it was literally, it had to be at least 100 copies of Jim Lee's X-Men number one. Like one of the varying connecting covers. Mm-hmm. But it was just piled up like it was printer paper. Because like there are supposedly 7 million of these things floating around. But there it is, you know. Now, I didn't make him an offer. But like part of me did want to be like, can you give me... What if I give you like five bucks for like this box of <laughs> random things? That, this you know? ream of Jim Lee. Yes, yes. yes. Or uh, I, I, I recall another time. I think this was also at Doctor Wonders where I found uh, a, a box of Valiant and Image stuff, and inside was um, you guys all remember Death Me. Oh yeah, right. Oh, yes. Well, they did a tour book for that book that Image didn't even know about. Valiant did it but included the image artists and then told them afterwards that they had to come with them to a couple cons. So Valiant scheduled the whole thing and then I think Image made a couple of like choice appearances along the thing before they decided to leave. So there's this tour book and there were like eight of them and they all have these beautiful shiny silver prismatic covers. And I'm like, okay, we gotta bring, <laughs> yeah. at, least, we gotta bring at least one of these Shout home, out. right? <laughs> you know? It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, the things that you... I remember, my God, when we first really started going back into cons, this is like the end of the aughts. Yeah. The big thing was all the big tie-in yeah. books. They were never, oh, like, the main God. line yeah. of the event, but it was always the big tie-ins. I know the Civil War... Fear Itself, uh, yeah. Civil War II... Ch- Chaos War, Secret Invasion. Uh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, a lot of the Ultimate books at the time, yep. I think. Yeah, they've probably aged a little bit better now, especially the Miles. But uh, Okay, yeah. here's a, a story... Um, so when Ultimate Fallout number four, the first appearance of Miles Morales came out, mm-hmm. we at Newey's ordered real heavy on it. And while there was a degree of heat, it was not this immediate giant success. Yeah. We ordered like a hundred copies and we probably sold like 30 of them. Okay. So we were sitting on like 70 copies of this book. And Miles became a popular character in fan circles, but did not break out until probably into the Spider-Verse. Right. But we had this 70 copies of this friggin' book. So at one point, we put 70 copies of that book. Well, no, maybe not all 70. We probably put like 50 of them into our clearance sale, which were dollars. We just put stuff out. Wow. One guy bought all 50 copies. <laughs> and that was when this book was, you know, cover price plus. Yeah. yeah. That guy, I'm at this point, probably laughed his way to the bank with yeah, 50 copies no. still in the poly bag wow. that it came, it shipped in of the first appearance of Miles Morales. Matt, do you like wake up and punch yourself for like not putting them in your back pocket and you know that one home? or the free the copies of Ultimate Spider-Man number one that we gave out at a promotional event oh, in Madison wow. where Dewey's was. Yeah, there Bottle Hill Day was their like festival, mm-hmm. the, you know, the town festival. And so we'd, again, ordered, like, 200 copies of Ultimate Spider-Man number one. And we ordered, knowing we were going to take 100 of them and, like, give them away. And we gave them away. I sold my copy of that book for 100 bucks online. 
You, you know, you just never know, though. Oh, yeah. You know, like, there was a point where you would go to a comic store and say, hey, you know, maybe in, like, the early 2000s and say, hey, you know, I've got all this stuff from the 90s. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily want to, I don't know if I want to keep this. Would you take it off my hands? And they would tell you, no, you can use that for, like, you know, your birdcage. That's about mm-hmm. what it's worth. And now you've got people, like, beating each other up over copies of Spawn 1, and it's mystifying Right? Like, I'm looking at certain books that are selling for a lot, like X-Men Volume 2, Number 4. Like, and I'm going, this is one of the... Mega Red? Yeah. 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 I'm like, this is one of the most best-selling comic books of all time. How in the world is this not just a dollar book? Right? (laughs) So it it ultimately very, very much confuses me. But, you know, you just never know. So that's the other fun of the dollar pins is... I don't know. Maybe I just found a little gem in the rough, right? <laughs> you know, it kind of speaking, kind of the reverse of that. It's just like that effect of like I can't believe these '90s books are worth something. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, there's two books I specifically pulled out of my collection here, which I know are still in dollar bins, and mm-hmm. as recently as last November, um, another perennial title, Alpha Flight. Mm-hmm. Not a real any real keys to speak of. I mean, you could pretty much put the entire first run in there and sure. probably sell it for a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. like. E- easily um there is one issue that really stands out though that really kind of surprises me hasn't elevated to at least the five or ten dollar bin um issue number 34 which at the time of this uh was published i, I know we're running late here and the piano music's about to begin <laughs> <laughs> i could beat you up um we have what is probably the first explicit on panel part of logan's origin in this mm. story you see him post just you know, right after Weapon X being, you know, found by the Hudsons and everything. But even more importantly, this is the issue that transforms Lady Deathstrike in from a one-off daredevil baddie into one of Logan's arch enemies and the revelation that her yeah. father developed the formula for the bonding and everything. I mean, even more minorly, I mean, Heather becomes Vindicator in this issue. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's a very, very important issue. I mean, especially, I mean, Wolverine. I mean, he's never going to really go... Out of fashion. Um, my other one here, this 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 one absolutely boggles me. Um, the Stark Wars, the Iron Man. Iron Man lines the dollar bins pretty much, except for Stark slash Armor Wars, which is you'll find like the five or ten dollar bins. This was the issue that immediately uh, ended it, the epilogue, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, this is back when you would actually just do like single issue, you know, kind of like a filler or right, you know, right. kind of the come down, but. Um, Illustrated by Barry Windsor Smith. That's yeah, a beautiful cover. Oh my it god! Is. You got to take a look at the artwork in yeah. that and everything. This but, is um, two thirty-two. Th- Iron Man two thirty-two from uh, nineteen eighty-eight. It uh, it's a fever dream. It's this 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 horribly like you know biomechanical surreal fever dream of Tony literally fighting a monstrous version of himself, which reflects his guilt and his remorse about. What happened with his tech becoming, you know, going in the wrong hands? This is gorgeous. That is an absolute. I've never seen this before. It's an absolute gem. It stands out, and it's just amazing that, like, how is that not like a ten dollar book? Yeah, where's the demand for that? This is Iron Man, Wounded Wolf. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Not too long ago, I pulled all four issues of Machine Man, BWS. Oh yeah, I have multiple copies of those. We're going through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I pulled all four from a dollar bin. Yeah, like, yep, you're, you're coming home with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've all. Had that moment where we've pulled something from the dollar bin that we know is not a dollar book. That <laughs> is always a good feeling. Well, I have it here, the very first double dime store from uh, 
Kirby. That, yeah. I got that for a dollar. I don't know what it's worth now, but it's definitely got to be more yeah. than a dollar. I remember one booth at a con, I pulled Power Pack number one Oof. and Deathstroke number 15, the first appearance of Ravager, Deathstroke's daughter. Yeah. Which was at the time like a 20, it wasn't a wall book, but it was like a 15, 20 dollar book. She'd been on the Titans. She was on both uh, Teen Titans Go. She'd been around, you know, and I was like, dollar <laughs> it's part of a crossover between Deathstroke and Titans and I had a full run of new Titans and I didn't have that one issue with Deathstroke as part of the crossover I was like well, let's put this with the other dollar books and, yep. and I was like and I see what happens with it with a dollar and I was like alright <laughs> well what was your last category Dan it was what are we looking for in the in the bins like the the, the things that we're always on the hunt for I yeah that was that was definitely in there. I mean I I know I'm always looking for Archie TMNT adventures because ah, okay. um, I've I've been putting a run of that together and a lot, that often appears especially the second half of that run it's hard to find you know you just find these weird and they're usually beat up by some kid um, <laughs> but I love that you're collecting what the too because I, I <laughs> what if what the those are great how about you guys what do you I'm looking at my list. Here, where I'm oh, after. you've got a spreadsheet. I've got a yeah. Just I a, love it. I mean, aside from the the Batman variants, which I'm still filling in some of, I am three issues away from a full run of Power Pack. Oh, cool. Three. That's a fun one. Yeah, it's it's great. I, I and they're all late. They're like real, like fifty two, fifty nine, and sixty one. Yeah, like really right at the end. Quality book. Yeah, absolutely. The Superman Adventures, the Superman animated series tie-in. I've got all of Batman. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten most of like the the more expensive ones. because Mar- Not expensive, but harder to find. Mark Miller did a big run of that. Really? Yeah, and it's really good. It's not what you'd expect out of Mark Miller, knowing Mark Miller now. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a handful of... And those kids' books are always a challenge. Because they get destroyed, or nobody thinks they'll... Like, they're going to wind up anywhere. That's why Batman Adventures number 12 is a like $700 comic because it's the first print appearance of Harley Quinn. Yeah. And nobody kept them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got my full run of Batman yeah. Adventures. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think those are, and I am, I completed one of my great grails, my great loves, that initial DC Who's Who. Oh, cool. I got That's all cool. of them. I still have my original copy of number two. I found it. When we were cleaning out my grandmother's house, and it was in there. So that one is in there. But they also did a seven-issue Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes. And I've got six of the seven, and I've still got one of those. That, that, that is my current, like, grail of grail. <laughs> so you have the Star Trek. The Who's Who with Star Trek. I do not. That is something else to look for, but I want to finish Legion oh, before gotta, I get into we got to hook you up those. I mean, there's only, I think, like, four. It's, yeah, it was, that was a shorter run. Oh, there's amazing stuff in there. You'll find, like, McFarlane did the Orions. Walt Sim- Simonson did the Romulans. Oh, neat. Wow. Dennis Cowan. Yeah, there's oh, some that's great the great thing there. about those who's who, the art and all of them. Like, Kirby did all the new gods mm-hmm, in the yeah. original run. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I don't know. Me, I just... Basically, I'm grailless right now. I mean, uh, other than, like, you know, some fills, like Marvel team-ups and everything like this, I just kind of, like, live to be surprised. Yeah. In spins. And I gotta tell you, like, I really, really enjoyed... You know, when we were surfing together at that last show in uh, November, Adam, and I gotta say, you're some like you're like a uh, rabbit's tail because <laughs> we were in the dollar bins, and then I moved over to just like the miscellaneous bin, and that's where I found Marvel Team Up sixty five, which is the first American appearance of Brian Braddock in, in arcade. It was in you know a very like a handsome, very fine condition, but twenty dollars, yeah, for that. I mean that that is what was an actual brow. It's like I'm not prepared to pay a hundred bucks. For this. 
So, but nice. Yeah, yeah I'll that, come along next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found Gladiator Supreme, the Marvel, the, the Marvel image crossover where Gladiator of the Imperial Guard meets Superman knockoff Supreme. It's like, I. This is so weird for a dollar. I have to own this for a dollar. I didn't know that existed either. (laughs) It's like, okay, you're coming home with me. Weird, weird. Yes. How about you, Dan? Ah, man. I I sort of leave myself open to whatever I end up stumbling across. Like I said, you know, I'm I'm kind of backfilling on candies, but I'm not like, you know, I'll I'll get what I get. Yeah. You know. Or maybe like some New Mutants, some X-Factors, like that that period. You'll get in a code north and you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but before we close out, I did want to, I put it out there on Twitter. You know, I asked people, you know, what are some of the best things or the weirdest things that they found uh, digging through a dollar bill? And we got some, uh, some good responses here. So I'm going to go through uh, some of the highlights here. So uh, Josh Link wrote, uh, he got Jack Kirby's entire Machine Man run. Cool. $10 oh, well spent. Very nice. Very uh, our bud Tony Thornley wrote, uh, I don't dollar bin dive that often, but recently I found a Disney Comics Christmas annual, the third three issues of Telos and some X-Men 2099 that he'd never read. There we go. Uh, Bravo, Aust- Tony. Yeah. Uh, Austin Gorton says, uh, back in the in-between speculator bubbles, heyday, I built large swaths of my collection from quarter and dollar bins, including the majority of New Mutants, yeah. Lots of Bronze Age X Men and Avengers. Uh, his best find was probably uh, the run of the original Secret Wars, including number eight that later graded out to a nine point eight. Oh, whoa! Yeah, good job, sir. Ah, uh, boy. Asma fangirl, uh, our dear friend, uh, said she'd love to get some more What If issues, especially uh, X Men ones uh, that were in a, a Mexican uh, edition trade that a friend had lent her once. Oh, cool. Uh, I think that some of the stories in there were like if Logan wasn't Weapon S, if, if Strife killed the X Men. Uh, she'd also love to get her hands on the uh, Kirby 2001 uh, comics. Very much worth it. I mean, there's the one outlier, which uh, the first Machine appearance Man. of Machine Man, yeah. but uh, most of them you can get pretty inexpensively. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, our friend Dr. Anna Papard wrote, uh, I'm always looking for older trade reprints, uh, mm-hmm. the ones on newsprint paper with Bend-Aid dots. Yes. Uh, Pulp! Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, her favorite is a uh, 1980s trade of Dark Phoenix Saga that's been read so much it's completely disintegrated. Nice. Uh, picked up for $5 at a shop many years ago. Uh, it had already been well read at the time, which I considered a feature. Not a bug. That warms my heart, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chaotic Good Milk Hotel, which... Fantastic What a name. great name. Yeah, man. Band name. <laughs> uh, when I was much younger, I completed my run of Batman and the Outsiders, primarily from quarter bits. TD Mollusk, my college LCS, had so much overstock from college kids selling comics for beer money that their 25-cent <laughs> bin was still... 25 cent bin was stellar. I got full runs of Burns Fantastic Four, David's Hulk, Simonson's Thor, not to mention a bunch of 90s crap. <laughs> That's what you want. You want that 90s crap. Yep. <laughs> uh, and finally, our bud John Bush from Dewey's Comic City wrote, there was a brief time in the early 2000s where Deadpool wasn't the cultural force he is today, toward the end of his first ongoing where you could occasionally see New Mutants 98 in dollar bins. Not all the time, but sometimes. New Mutants 87 too. So I asked him, are we talking first printings or like, you know, the later printings that they did? He said, first printings of 98 and 87 and a second printing of 87, which I was far more excited about because gold foil. Gold rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, actually, I have copies of 98 and 87. I don't remember how I, you know, what level bin I acquired them out of, but I have a feeling they were second printings. Even that 87's worth a few bucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. The second yeah. print. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. See, I see that one in, on walls. Yeah. The, the gold cover. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that is something. But, uh, fellas, this has been a, a fantastic time. Uh, fantastic we, five years. Yeah, fantastic yeah. five years. Uh, I thank you very much uh, for your counsel and your friendship and your, and your uh, wonderfully <laughs> cheap comics. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast, along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a Pete Wisdom Hot Claws sticker designed by Kevin Newburn. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom. A $4 donation gets you access to Our Son Pete and the sticker. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Kat Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from Comics XF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF, assuming Twitter still works. And until next week, remember, if Spider-Man can teach the Beyonder to poop, you can pretty much do anything you set your mind to. I believe in you. WMQA! Cast-offs from... Uh... Got to turn around. Pre- previous years, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, then. Uh, if I see a box anywhere, I cannot through. help. Yeah. <laughs> I should just brought three sets. This brings me so much joy. It's There's, the it's the it's the ASMR of just you know. It really is running your fingers over the the bags and boards. Yeah. <laughs> There, there might actually be stuff in there that's signed that I just don't have any, like, use for. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter, really. But the EBS yeah. uh, <laughs> sex issue? No, that I kept. <laughs> the what? I, I, okay, so my first con was 2010. Yeah. And I got the, uh, the, the sex hidden on every page issue of New X-Men signed by oh. Van Cyber. Yeah. <laughs> One of my first sketches in my Batman sketchbook is him doing Batman. And it's yeah. like, oh. We didn't God. know. We didn't more, know. It was a more innocent time. It's 2010. 